Welcome to Must See Films, this is Darren and today I'm going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Alright, this is episode 45 of Must See Films, a podcast that's helping you see films differently. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my reaction to the film, we're going to talk about characters and the writing process, and we're going to talk about how the film pays homage to other films. Now, I went to see two films recently, one of them being Guardians of the Galaxy, and the other one being Hercules with The Rock. And I want to take just a little bit of time to discuss how they are very similar, but how Guardians of the Galaxy is infinitely better. Hercules is an average action film. It has um, action, it has moments of comedy, it has um, emotional moments that it goes for, and it has a group of characters, a crew going on an adventure. And in a very similar way, Guardians of Galaxy has these elements in the film. However, I wouldn't recommend you going to see Hercules because it's a very average action film. However, Guardians of the Galaxy, I would highly recommend because it does things so, so well, and I feel like it really comes down to um, the delivery of and the execution of these characters. It's one of the things that Marvel Studios is very lucky to have is just an infinite amount of unknown comic book characters. In the not so future we might get a look at um, Ant-Man which hasn't had any prequels or hasn't had any um, previous films and that would be another new film for Marvel to make because Guardians of the Galaxy was a very risky move in terms of it didn't have any prior fan base that wasn't on in the diehard comics um, but what it did have is a comic book that maybe couldn't express the action, maybe couldn't express the comedy in the way that a film could, but a lot of time and detail and energy would be going into to, to creating these characters through the comics, making them strong and entertaining, and it may have informed different incarnations over time, however it's the characters that have stood the test of time and now being shaped by Marvel into this amazing film. And the difference for me between Hercules and Guardians of the Galaxy is when you've got these strong characters that gel well together, you're invested in the characters when the action happens. And when the emotional moments hit, they move you. And there's a fullness to the comedy. It really comes down to the characters and the execution by James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and one of the most exciting things about this film is it was a very risky film for Marvel because it was the first time Marvel characters and Marvel Studios was traveling into the kind of space world. And we've seen the reaction that modern audiences had um, with Green Lantern when DC tried to move into the kind of space world with the Ryan Reynolds film Green Lantern. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy has been infinitely more successful um, and is a much better film. But what you've also got to remember is Marvel has a tendency to take these B and C characters and turn them into huge franchises. Before these movies began to came out, um, Iron Man and Thor and Captain America were B and C level players. The biggest characters in terms of um, Marvel would be Spider-Man and X-Men and a lot of these characters have been let out to other studios and that's why you'll never probably see them in an Avengers film together unless 
X-Men is bought back to Marvel or Spider-Man is bought back. But because they're still making films and because they're making money still, um, arguably with Spider-Man 2, that was one of the, the best in recent years and Days of Future Past from X-Men, which was probably the best and especially for the X-Men franchise in a long time. And so they'll probably continue with the other studios. And so the problem that Marvel has been faced with is trying to use characters that aren't so well known, but trying to make them uh, big characters and make them into a franchise. But the thing that Marvel has done so, so well is build these characters that have been doing well, build them into a brand, a brand of Marvel. When you see that Marvel logo and you see that red across the screen and the white lettering of Marvel, there's a certain level of quality and expectation that comes with the film. And that's why for me anyway, going into this film, I didn't know too much about the Guardians. I've seen the trailer, it looked fun, and I knew that it was Marvel. So I had a level of expectation, um, and I didn't think it was going to be incredibly serious. I thought it would bring a lot of fun, the thing that Marvel prides itself in doing. And it really delivered on my expectations and well surpassed it in terms of these characters who I thought might be a little bit unusual and would be difficult to get to know. But it very quickly makes you feel comfortable in the film and delivers a lot about these characters' backstories and how they interact and puts them in amazing conflict so that you get a lot of their character traits through the action of the film. Now I'm a huge fan of films that really make you feel emotions. Now I'm not so much of a film snob in the way that I need to watch films that are dark and you have to think about for hours and they need to be analysed. That's not one of the reasons why I fell in love with movies. I fell in love with movies like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and E.T. and a lot of kids films like Mighty Ducks. And so films that have got that um, group ethos and group atmosphere of people coming together and going on adventures and these magical moments in cinema, these were the reasons why I fell in love with movies and decided to dig into them a little bit deeper in the first place. So my inner child was loving this film because it harked back to so much of that adventure and fantasy and really used a lot of the amazing CGI that is available with us at the moment and used it well to, um, especially to, to get across the characters of Rocket and Groot, um, but didn't make it seem silly or over the top, um, the way that certain CG films can leave you feeling let down with the visuals. And so one of the films in recent years that really made me feel was Prisoners. Prisoners was a film that had me thinking about it afterwards for days. And it really delivered as a thriller. And it made me, the actual viewing experience was tense and it built up. And I felt incredibly emotional during the film. Then afterwards, the film lived with me because I thought about it. I went back over it. I did a podcast on it and eventually went back into an analysis on the video because it was a film that when you dig into, there's so much there to support the narrative. And I loved it as a film. But this film is very different in a way because it doesn't leave you thinking about the film. It leaves you with a feeling of happiness and of fun because this is a kind of film that delivers these magical moments this is a film really about family and it's a film about these characters going on an adventure and it leaves you with that feeling of fun because it takes you to these un incredible unknown places and that was one of the risks that marvel was taking with this film is it didn't really know how their audiences were going to respond to this and if it was going to be a good or a bad thing but it turns out the audiences are seeming to love going on this journey 
um, especially shown on the box office and by a lot of people I've spoke to and from reviews I've read online. So it seems to be a kind of unanimous decision that people are really invested in enjoying this movie. And I think it's the fun factor. You've got fun elements of uh, music is a huge one that we'll get to shortly. You've got these incredible comedic characters um, that even if they're speaking completely literally, the way that the scene plays is kind of played for comedy and played for uh, character development. So it's that fun factor, I think, that has really been has really stayed with me. And we'll talk about the music more too. So I think it's the fun factor that's really stayed with me and that's really made a lasting impression. Now, in must-see films, I'm always trying to help you see films differently, and it's really a process for me to try and um, see films in a specific way so I can learn things about films, so that it'll help me in my own writing process and help me as I try and understand films and maybe make films in the future. And so I always ask myself, what can I learn from these films? And especially when I compare Hercules to Guardians of the Galaxy, having a very similar um, elements of the film, but how can one be infinitely better than the other? What things did Guardians do so well that allowed it to be a huge success compared to The Rock's film, which is, you know, by all intents and purposes, a you know, pretty decent action movie, but doesn't seem to connect with that many people around the world. Now, the fact that it's Marvel has something to do with it because it's got a pre-established brand. Um, that's, the, that's certainly something I think that has um, mass appeal right there. But one of the things I read in Stanley Kubrick's biography is that he would go and see um, every film he could, especially in his, in his younger days. Even if they weren't amazing films, he wouldn't just watch amazing films. He would watch films so that he could pick apart how he would make that film better. So he would watch an average film like Hercules and he would say, how can, if he was making that film, how could he have made that film better? What could he have done with the character? How could he have structured the action scenes? Um, how could he have made this a better film? So I guess similar to a lot of things that Stanley Kubrick does is he uses the viewing experience as a kind of intellectual process for him to try and work on um, his skill as a filmmaker. And so I just thought it was interesting for myself, and I'd be interested to hear what anybody else had to say about this, was having seen Hercules and Guardians of the Galaxy within a very short time, um, it's just so clear for me that Guardians is better. I had a much better viewing experience, and it stayed with me much more. But I think it really comes down to the characters. And that's why I think comic book characters and superhero films have become this huge thing recently, because... So much um, detail has went into the the creation and the building and the growing of the worlds that already exist in comics. And so they're proving to be an incredible source material to bring um, entire worlds to life and to films so that they can take audience members on adventures and they seem to really connect with these audience members. I think the fact that the quality of the characters really differentiate this film from lesser successful films and lesser films that really deliver emotional impact and films that really stay with you, I think that's the reason why if you were writing a script or if you were writing a movie that you would try and invest time and energy and detail into developing your characters. So one of the books that's really been helping me recently is a book called The Artist's Way 
by Julia Cameron. And it's basically a weekly process that takes you through different tasks and challenges week by week in order to um, get you over that fear of exposure and that fear of um, not having anything to say. And it's a process that's to help you try and find your creativity again. It's a great, great book. I'd really recommend it for anybody who's trying to write again. It is very spiritual in nature. It talks a lot about um, God working through you and trying to channel his energy into what you are doing. Um, So it refers to God as a kind of muse in that way. And that might not be for everybody, but it's certainly a book that helps you move forward with your writing experience and um, particularly paying attention to the character development that we've been speaking about here in the podcast. I didn't know much about the Guardians as characters going into this film, but I trusted that Marvel would deliver based on the trailer and based on my expectations for Marvel um, as a company. And it really helps that they're backed up by Disney because a lot of the things that Disney gets right seems to be kind of going into the Marvel's company as well. So it also makes me look very forward to the new Star Wars films that are coming out because they're going to have Disney money behind them, but then they're also going to have... Um, the thought process and the detail and then the almost winning formula that comes from Disney. And Disney is an, another great example of a brand that seems to um, be family friendly and seems to be of a great time and seems to always be of a high standard and a good quality. Um, something that Pixar has taken over for a lot recently, um, also being a brand of, of Disney, but then Disney films have seemed to came back with Frozen seems to be incredibly successful with young people. Now, I better get to the music and speak about some of the music in this film because um, I think the music or the, the tape cassette player that we see in the film is really the emotional heart of this movie because Chris Pratt's character, um, Star-Lord, um, he's basically our main character that leads this group and he has a very emotional start to the film. I was blown away by how seriously they took the opening of this film, but then how quickly it jumped into action and adventure. An incredible, exciting start. A lot of movies, when you watch them, the first five, ten minutes teaches you how to watch a film. And so seeing that emotional investment with his mother at the beginning and the investment into um, the, the tape player, an investment into the tape player and then be completely thrown out the rules of the world by the spaceship that picks him up near the beginning i knew we were in for an incredible adventure and so the music plays an incredible character in the film um so many great songs and this has been one of the reasons that the fun feeling the fun feeling has stayed with me after the film because i downloaded the soundtrack and i've been listening to it in my car i've been listening to it in my ipod um, and there's just amazing songs. I love a lot of the Marvin Gaye songs. Um, I love a lot of the songs, especially the first song that Chris Pratt dances to as he kind of walks into his first little mini adventure. Um, that's probably one of my favorites. Uh, I also like the one he's listening to, I'm Not In Love, um, at the beginning of the film when he has his headphones on as a child, the younger version of Chris Pratt. And so it was great to hear from James Gunn that he wrote all of these songs into the film um, as he was writing at the writing stage. And so a lot of them are built into the emotional moments 
and then to hear them as the as the film's score as the film's music um just makes it catchy because of the greatness of the songs but then also it's a kind of all-around experience for everybody because it's, it's bringing these classic songs from the past into the modern thinking and any parents that go to see the film they're going to remember all these songs and they're going to take them right back to their childhood so it's an all-round win i think for the soundtrack of this film so a couple of the films that really this film pays homage to is probably, you know, Star Wars is one of the films that makes me think of when this film you've got a lot of these characters on adventures on outworldly outworldly places and your Rocket and Groot characters, they're almost a little duo that very much reminds me of R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO. Um, and then you've got your uh, Han Solo character that is very much a Chris Pratt characters. Um, but the opening of the film reminded me very much of the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark of the Indiana Jones film. Just the way that it's so smart and the way that it delivers so much information as he approaches the obstacle and then the journey back to his spaceship, all of the information that has been pieced um, is basically a character revealing moment so that they are used in action. So for example, we see him using his space boots, we see him we see fountains of water that pop up from the ground. We see him use this metal triangle suction machine that pulls the ball from the, the thing that it was trapped in. Uh, and we see him wear his mask that is pretty much his war mask when he's, um, when he's in battle form. And so after he's retrieved the element, all of these things come into play very, very quickly. He uses his boots to blast away. He finally gets back to close to his spaceship using the triangle thing to deal with thugs that are trying to be after him. And then as the spaceship goes up, we get a last minute whoosh of water as the spaceship is attacked. So everything that is um, subtly placed out there for us to take note of, they're immediately put into action and serves for an amazing little Indiana Jones um, introduction to our character here and so Chris Pratt as a casting choice I think was a fantastic choice I've always found him funny in films but very interesting to choose him as a kind of leading man um, for this film but in the way that Tony Stark or uh, Robert Downey Jr. was just so well suited to Iron Man this seems to be the same case here it's not that he's playing a Brad Pitt character and failing it's that he's playing a Chris Pratt character and succeeding so it's very much right up his street and he really owns this role. Um, Bradley Cooper as the Rocket, I think, was one of the funniest people, I think, in the film. He's got some of the best lines. Um, and he seems to be one of the most intelligent as well. I was very impressed about how he seemed to work his way out of certain situations. Um, and he seems to have a lot of experience in these kind of battle situations. Uh, Drex, I think, was probably the surprise comedian for me. Just because he takes things so literally... I found it very entertaining the way that he responded to situations. So even when they said thanks to him and he would say, oh, don't say that to Drex, that'll go straight over his head. And then he would say things like, well, that will not go over my head. I will catch it. My reactions are too quick. And so he played a very entertaining character, um, but I think entertaining to an audience. And Groot's character really became the heart of the movie, I think, for me. Um, as much as the cassette player was for Chris Pratt's character, Groot really grounded and brought this um, whole group together, especially at the climax of the movie where he literally does bring everybody together. 
but he seems to have some of the subtlest moments, I think, in the film. And I love the end scene when he's a little mini Groot and he's growing back and he's dancing again. I think that's hilarious. They really went for the comedy in this film, and I think it really paid off really, really well. But it's really a film that deals with the themes of family. It deals with um, Chris Pratt and his mother and his father. Now, his father, they mention his father in the film as somebody who isn't from Earth. Um, and I, th- I don't know if this is obvious or not. Maybe if you follow Guardians of the Galaxy, this is an obvious point. But it was something I never figured out to the end of the film who his father actually was. And for me, it was the guy who... Um, was chasing him at one point of the film with the blue face and the little goatee and the kind of metal Mohican head thing popping out of his head. I think that's um, Star-Lord's father. Um, that's probably obvious to people who um, have seen the film and realized or for people who are just Guardians fans. And For me, I knew nothing of the, the kind of franchise or that world going in. It took me a long time to kind of piece that together. Um, but having... But having gotten the information that he wasn't from Earth, that makes sense. And his mother at the beginning of the film calls Chris Pratt an angel. Says he looks like an angel. And the character I'm speaking about, who I think his father is, he refers to himself as gorgeous as an angel at some point. And it seems to me like he always had a soft spot for Star-Lord as a character. And it seems to me like um, he's been looking after him as a father figure. And I think he actually is his father. And especially because of the beginning of the film when his mother's just about to die and he, she says that you stay with your grandpa until your father comes to pick you up. And then as soon as he runs out, he is abducted by the spaceship. So I think for me, that's his father picking him up and, and, and taking him on for his adventures in the kind of outer galaxy. Um, so maybe that was an obvious point for some people, but it took me to the end of the movie to really piece that together. Now, not only the family dynamics that Chris Pratt's character goes through in this film, you've got the bonding and family that starts to form, which we refer to as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Chris Pratt calls them all losers at one point in the film, and he's so dead on with that. Not the fact that they're losers in general, but the fact that they have all lost so much in this film. Um, a lot of characters have been put through a lot of loss through their personal family situations and a lot of personal loss and tragedy and so for them to come together and to bond and have conflicts at certain points of the film but then bond near the end of the film and refer to each other as friends and as family makes an amazing moment where people have an affiliation for each other people start to become really emotionally involved in each other and they really seem to support each other near the end of the film so it makes for a very satisfying ending when they get through the final uh, climax and conflict of the film but then when we get into our resolution phase and he moves into they're going to be going away together on their new adventures um, and they seem to have a newfound uh, friendship really developed in each other and trust in each other. And especially when Chris Pratt says that he'll look after them and he'll kind of serve as the leader. Um, and it just ends the film with this great, great high moment of music and of trust in these characters and excitement about where this film will go next. Um, and it's a great way to just leave your audience with a feeling of excitement and of fun and really remind you everything that this film has been about. And so for me, what the Guardians of the Galaxy as a film set out to do really did its job and just really nailed me in the heart. I found it hilarious in terms of comedy um, and I'm so excited to see what will happen with the Guardians next. I hope they get a solo Guardians of the Galaxy 2 film, but I've been hearing that they're going to have 
potentially a Guardians and Avengers team up, which would make a better sense because they could do that and obviously they'll be trying to tackle different villains that they both can combat together in the future. So it would be very exciting to see those guys come together and I think, you know, when you've got your your Tony Stark speaking to your Chris Pratt, speaking to your Paul Rudd, who will be Ant-Man. That's going to be an incredibly funny situation and incredibly funny actors and characters that can uh, really make some incredibly funny scenes, I think. Now, for me, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best films to come out this summer, definitely. And I'm pretty sure it's going to rank highly at the end of the year when I look back and see what films have really stood out this year to me. And I'm definitely going to go see it again this evening. And um, it'll be interesting to see how my experience is the second time of watching it. A lot of the music's really stuck with me because I've been listening to the soundtrack. Um, and I've been thinking about it and then trying to collate some of my thoughts on it so I could deliver this podcast. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays for, for me for a second time. So comment below and let me know what you think about Guardians as a film. But before I go, I'll leave you with one film that has been on my mind a lot recently. And that would be The Graduate. The Graduate has been on my mind recently. I've done a podcast on it before. I think it was either the third or fourth podcast I ever did. And I put a picture on my Facebook recently discussing a little bit about Mrs. Robinson and Benjamin and just discussing a little bit about the film and I got a great response. People were really interested in the film and had all their own opinions about it and I love opening um, an idea of a film up and getting so much feedback from everybody. And it's a film that is, you could analyze so many scenes and so many shots in the film that supports the narrative and the film and the story that it's trying to tell. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend it as a kind of coming of age story, um, as a strange love triangle um, and a very, very funny performance by Dustin Hoffman. Um, A very underrated actor, probably... One of my favorite actors up there with the kind of Paul Newman classic actors as well. Um, so just a little, so just the film that's been on my mind, The Graduate. So be sure to continue this conversation on Facebook and Twitter and check out more of my videos on Vimeo or on YouTube. Um, all of the information for that will be in the description below. And please comment and tell me what you think of Guardians of the Galaxy. I had a tremendous experience and I have yet to hear of anybody who disliked the film. Um, So feel free to comment below and let me know. And thank you for listening.